Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today, we are talking about training your heart with cardiovascular exercise. Yeah, I guess a big component of the podcast is talking about training uh, and fitness as a whole, but cardio is something that we probably don't spend a whole lot of time talking about for obvious reasons. Um, (laughs) We much prefer to get in and lift some weights and, you know, move heavy shit, as we like to say, but Cardio is obviously an integral part of um, training as a whole. Uh, And we just thought we'd spend some time talking about the different types today, uh, why or when you would include them and just some of the overall benefits. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we have spoken about previously how you and I used to be quote unquote cardio bunnies. So Mm -hmm. all we would ever do was cardio. Like personally, I started out in the gym just doing classes and like really fun classes though. It broke the ice. I wasn't as shy. I've forgotten the names, but you get it. Body attack. Oh, Les Mills. Les Mills. Arms are in the air. You're half losing your breath, having a heart attack, but you're like, oh my God, you know, Um, but it was fun. And that was a really nice entry into training I found. 100%. Um, before I discovered weights and dumbbells and threw all that down the, the down the drain. Yeah, really, really good point because I want to open with that is group fitness, cardio classes, a great entry point for most people. Um, by no means should they be, I don't know, like shamed upon. I think there's a bit of a trend in the fitness industry where, you know, yeah. some conventional styles of training is like, oh, it's not good for you. If anything gets someone started in the gym, that, in my opinion, is done its job. That is yep. great. We all need something that's low entry point, low skill, right? And a lot of cardio and group um, fitness stuff is. It's sort of low skill required and low entry point to be able to get in. And I myself started, um, yeah, with group fitness started classes. I used to go like all the Les Mills things with my mom. Um, yeah. <laughs> I actually used to love um, like a lot of the high intensity stuff, which we'll mm. talk about mm. today. Um, and also, I don't know if you ever heard of a class called Zoo. Did you Zoo? Yeah, it was, mm. it was, I laughed now because it was so funny, but basically you would like <laughs> get on the ground literally and do like animal-based movements. So crawl, it was like cardio-based class. You'd do like bear crawls and like frog jumps and those sorts of things. And stuff's hard. Yeah, it's hard work, (laughs) right? And I actually really like that concept, like moving our body in unconventional ways, um, movement patterns that we're actually probably supposed to do, but we were just talking about sitting at a desk. You know, we're not designed to do it. Even walking, Mm. right? We Mm. walk with our head down. You Mm. know, we we don't really jump around and we don't play anymore. And I think there's so much benefit to having movement like that in general. Yeah. Yeah. And you notice it um, in little babies, they just Mm. move so well, or they're squatting. And we walked past someone at the beach and he was not from Australia because overseas, they still kind of, you know, squat down when they're they're sitting or on the toilet. And he was just on the beach sort of squatting down, just having a a drink so comfortable, but people were looking at him as if he was weird. And then I'm kind of like, well, no, we're the weird ones sitting on chairs. He's just doing what we're designed to do. And that beautiful squat, I'm like, that is the best technique ever. I want to be like this guy. Exactly. But people looked at him as if he was weird. Yeah, exactly. You know, we gain range in the motion that we spend time in. 
right? So when we spend all day sitting in chairs, sitting in the car, sitting on the toilet, sitting at the table, like we spend. Remember that? Wow, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I always disrupt you with something random. (laughs) But yeah, basically, we want to have a bit of an open chat about cardio in general. And a lot of people will be able to um, relate when we talk about steady state, high intensity, and also moderate intensity. So we wanted to open up the conversation and just talk more broadly about perhaps the benefits as a whole, like what cardio is actually for. It does get a bit of a bad rep from time to time, but there are so many health benefits. Um, There's more pros than cons when we're writing the notes to this, um, but often we only hear of the negative stuff. So why don't we open up and start talking about the benefits of aerobic training as a whole? Absolutely. Now we have to remember that our heart is a muscle. So just like any other muscle in our body, we need to train it to become stronger. And it is the left part of the heart. So the left ventricle that pumps all of our blood around our body. So the stronger that muscle is, the more blood we can get pumped around our body for the least amount of effort. It's kind of like if you get stronger at a squat or a bicep curl, you know, the weight that you start on will be least effort for you because Mm. you're getting stronger. So it's just like the heart, the stronger the muscle, the least amount of effort for it to do its thing. So it's really important to train that muscle to get really strong. Yeah, absolutely. And the more efficient pump or heart that we have, um, the lower our resting heart rate is. And that is like a vital sign. Our heart rate is a metric that we will measure for the rest of our lives to determine how aerobically fit or capable or resilient our cardiovascular system is. A lower resting heart rate is usually a more fitter individual. And this is why, like back in my nursing days, Mm. I'd nearly have a heart attack if like the endurance people would come in or the marathon runners they've got a resting heart rate of like 35 yeah and the machines are going off and i'm like are you okay no oh, they're just you know they've got the liker on it's a dead giveaway they're a bike rider oh so, yeah those so, guys would just be yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely so the smaller an individual is as well you know obviously the less work um a heart has to do to be able to get blood around the body so mm. resting heart rate is um, an incredibly important metric a lot of wearable devices like whoop bands aura rings garments any sort of sport watch that's the metric that it's going to use to determine how fit you are so if yes. your resting heart rate goes up it's it's a sign right that you're obviously getting bigger which is obviously not a bad thing either like when i get smaller when i get leaner my resting heart rate goes down because i'm a smaller individual yeah uh, and vice versa so if your resting heart rate's like staying elevated right it's staying elevated or it's creeping up you know it can also be a sign that maybe your cardiovascular fitness isn't at a place where it should be. Yeah, definitely. That being while you're training, but if you're just sort of feeling a bit anxious, obviously it's going to go up as well. Um, If you're paying too much attention on monitoring your heart rate, it's going to go up as well. Kind of like blood pressure as soon as you get in Caffeine. Yeah, caffeine. Have a sip, mate. (laughs) Cheers. Um, As soon as you kind of get in the doctor's office and they go to take your blood pressure, normally it's a lot higher than what it normally is just for that reason too. So white coat syndrome, just be be mindful of when you are monitoring it. But all those devices are great and it is a really awesome metric um, Mm. to use. Now to find your maximum resting heart rate, there is a rule. It is the number 220 minus your age. 
So that is how you know what your maximum heart rate is. Now we don't Mm. want to always tread near that level and we will talk about it down the track, but that's an awesome measure. So 220 minus your age, that is your maximum heart rate. Yeah, for sure. And then when you, um, when you do that as well, there's a lot of calculators online that you can literally plug that in and it'll tell you your heart rate zones. So Mm. so, zone one, zone two, zone three, zone four, blah, blah, blah. And it'll also give you a predicted resting heart rate um, because what we're going to be chatting about today in terms of the three different types of cardio that we'll be talking about it's more so defined based on your heart rate zone so this is why it's going to look different for everyone Mm. my resting heart rate or my 60% of my max is going to be completely different to my mum's 60% of her max but we're both working at that intensity relative um, to our body size genetics and fitness levels so definitely something to keep in mind because this is why heart rate as a whole isn't like relatable it's like calories you know we can't really compare um, because we've got different body size different genetics the other thing to keep in mind like if you want to track your resting heart rate as well and you don't have wearables what you track right here right now you're probably out for a walk listening to this it's not your resting heart rate (laughs) resting heart rate is before you've risen in the morning so whilst you're still laying flat um, whilst you've just woken up, that's when you take your resting heart rate. And that's why a lot of wearables that you wear 24-7 are accurate versus your watch that you just put on in the morning once you're up. You know, that might actually yeah. give you a higher resting heart rate than what it truly is. Because I think, for example, like your aura ring obviously takes it when you're asleep. And that's mm. like your true resting heart rate when you're asleep mm. because cortisol rises in the morning and that's actually what wakes you up. So a spike in cortisol will also um, increase your resting heart rate. So just wanted to give that reference. Yeah. Awesome. So just put your hands on the inside of your wrist or your fingers um, towards your thumb and then count the number of beats. You can either do it in 60 seconds or you can do it in 30 seconds and times it by two, just so you get a number of beats per minute Mm. as well. That's how you take your own resting heart rate. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Well, we might move into it. So I guess the first type of cardio, which a lot of us are are familiar with is steady state or LIS. Um, So low intensity cardio training. Uh, It's also referred to as that LIS, which you will hear in the fitness industry. I'm out doing my LIS and it's basically um, anything that gives you a maximum or um, a heart rate percentage between that 50 to 60% of your maximum heart rate. So really low intensity, low effort. I also want to say with these percentages that we're going to be giving today, you may find different variations on the internet as well. And they do cross over into each other. So they're more just yeah. broad definitions of metrics, but Low intensity is going to be anything where you're out for walks or you're just like walking around the house, bit of bike riding, gentle cardio, yoga, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And I love doing lists because you don't get super exhausted. exhausted. Mm. So it's really easy. You can generally multitask. Sometimes I'd be sitting on the bike with my phone in my hands, but my legs are going like, but it all, it all adds up and it makes you feel good. You know, Mm. walking out in nature, that's so important for mental health as well. Although, yeah, I think it's really important to treat steady state as self-love time. It's not just about burning calories calories this Mm. this method it's about giving back to your body getting moving getting away from your desk stepping out in nature so i call this um self-love cardio self-love cardio (laughs) self-love heart cardio yeah cute um it's the cardio on the treadmill that says 
fat burning zone, right? It sort of grinds my gears. It's true, but it's not true, right? So when you're in that heart rate capacity, that low intensity, 50 to 60%, your body actually is utilizing more fats as the fuel source. Um, When we think about the energy system, we'll talk about um, aerobic and anaerobic later on. But when we actually, when you see that fat burning zone, it's not actually burning the fat, right? Like it's it's utilizing the fat in your bloodstream um, as the main source of fuel, but it's a false sort of indicator to say that you're burning fat in that zone. If in yeah. my sense, because you still need a calorie deficit, right? Like yeah. you can you can eat like you know you can't eat like you know freaking in a surplus and then expect. I will just go do some low intensity and burn the fat. It doesn't really work like that. It also leads to that, I guess, that fasted cardio mentality, Uh, like low intensity, fat burning, fasted cardio. It's all BS at the end of the day. It's all BS. We don't use cardio per se to like burn fat, in my opinion. And that's something we'll have a chat about. It definitely impacts energy balance, of course, and can be a tool, but it's not like you select your cardio intensity based on whether you want to burn fat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just because there's so much in it. Again, it's not as simple as calories in versus calories out or this kind of cardio. Like there are so many lifestyle factors that you need to take into account. Um, And Stacey Sims actually put up, who we've had on the podcast, actually put up an awesome video of her talking about um, fasted cardio in Mm. females and how it actually elevates cortisol so it doesn't actually work at all. So jump on her page if you want to see her elaborate a little bit more on that topic. Um, but yeah, we don't need to do fasted lists. Well, what a lot of people do is they'd have their fat burner drink um, in the morning instead of a coffee. And, you know, it tastes yum, whatever, or they've just fallen for some really good marketing. They have their fat burner and then say that they're doing fasted cardio. But because you've ingested that fat burner or if you ingest a coffee, that's not actually fasted. So yeah. just... Just unless it's black, unless it's black coffee, yeah, black it's got coffee. no zero calories, right? Like amino mm. acids, you broke your fast, but yeah. cortisol though. So they have their coffee, they have their fat burner that already raises cortisol. And then to be in a fasted state without carbohydrates raises more cortisol. So mm. better off staying in bed for better results. Absolutely. That's something I've <laughs> definitely like thought about. Like when I got right into all the sleep stuff, And I was like, wow, like the quality of your sleep actually impacts whether your body burns muscle or fat as a fuel source. Um, And that's, you know, there's some pretty crazy research out there to support that better quality sleep, that extra hour in the bed can Mm. offset the importance of your morning cardio in a sense, right? It's going to depend on a lot of different variables, but really good point because I sort of thought that myth was dead. And then I saw someone the other day being like, yeah, just getting my fasted cardio in. I was like, Ah. hang on, hang on. (laughs) Are we back here? But, you know, I think we we live in a small bubble. Everyone that's listening to this lives in a small bubble. Um, What seems like common sense is not common sense. Mm. You know, it's, it's common sense to us. It's not common sense to everyone else, especially when, God, advertisement for fitness industry has not changed yeah. one bit, right? We mm. still see fasted cardio and the the importance of fasting everywhere. I see mm. it everywhere. I feel like it's coming back in trend. Yeah, I don't know why, honestly. So we'll hit that one on the head before it gets more life into it. Um, but what I also love about steady state, particularly in the morning, aside from being out in nature and getting my 
coffee, whatever, after I have some carbs, I normally have fruit, banana or toast or whatever. Um, it's good for digestion. I feel like you just don't yeah. feel as sluggish mm. because you, you've been sleeping all night. Your body has, you've been stagnant. Mm. I think it's really nice. And Well, at any time of the day, just to get moving at a low intensity, to get everything ticking over. And mm. I always use the example, if you imagine um, being still like a lake, there's more chance of attracting moss and mold and all of that stuff versus a flowing river from a mountain. We end up drinking that spring water because it's forever moving. It's mm. flushing out and becoming new. So I imagine like movement of the body to liken that to the flowing um, water off the mountain. That's clear, clean, healthy as well. So it just feels good to be moving. Mm, that was beautiful it's a nice analogy yes um but you you're so right like steady state cardio low stress cardio actually increases um motility or peristalsis of the gut which aids in digestion this is why if you're Mm. constipated going for a walk is you know really helpful and the advice that people would give you this is why um you know being quite sedentary is actually like a contributing factor to um, digestive issues um, Mm. and, you know, feeling constipated and bloated, right? Going for walks helps you digest food. Um, It also helps you um, decrease your blood sugar after eating too. So there's so much research, literature and evidence Mm. to support the importance of steady state as an integral part of our lifestyle as more sedentary individuals these days because um, steady state cardio by definition is still different to neat levels. So a lot of us think that hitting 10,000 steps or whatever your target is, uh, is a form of neat. Like, oh, my neat's 10,000. It's not. Your neat Mm. is uh, in like is you can't change it. It's the Mm. blinking. It's the moving. It's the unintentional steps that you get from your environment, your lifestyle change. So yeah, changing jobs is a huge factor in that changing lifestyles, changing environments, changing where you live. Um, People that live in the city versus people that live uh, remotely in the country, like we're going to have different levels of neat. Um, Mm. So it's really important to be able to separate that because going for a morning walk, it's great. It's movement. It's steps. Even though the activity is still the same, the difference between lists and neat is the intention. Mm, yeah, really well said. And we've both definitely noticed a difference. Obviously you came from working at a hospital. I came from working from the gym floor and now we're on our computers a lot more. And I never used to deliberately do lists at all because we, you know, and same with you, we were always on our feet. So in terms of weight loss or whatever, this would never actually work for us because you would just have to spend hours and hours and hours doing Mm. it to top the amount of steps that we would already do in our day. But now fast forward to our lifestyle now, this actually, like we both have to make the effort to get moving because we're not Um, moving as much in our day to day. So it's been really interesting to feel the differences in our body. Mm. And before this episode, we were kind of talking about how it feels to be, yeah, we're stretching out like, oh, our chairs are just not comfortable, you know, like Mm. we never used to have that. Yeah, really good point. Luke and I were talking about this the other day because Luke used to be a PE teacher um, and obviously quite active. And yeah, like I used to walk half an hour to work every day. That is neat. Because it wasn't planned, like it was a part of my lifestyle. I had to get to work. I didn't have a car in the city. Mm. So I did a lot more movement in general. And my average step count was easy 15 to 20,000 without trying. So it's a blessing and a curse because the thing about steady state and neat in general or that intensity 
um, is that your body adapts really quickly to it. Yes. So even though I could hit, like my, I was quite active um, overall, I had an active lifestyle um, and an active job per se, um, my body adapted really quick to it. So even though it sounds great um, during fat loss phases, I didn't have options to increase my step count. I could not go yep. above 20,000 because it would impact my training. And, you know, it's, it's just exhausting. My feet would get sore all the time because I was oh, standing yeah. so much. It's like a hairdresser. You know, mm. you're standing all day. So it's a blessing for being able to move more and get your body into like, you know, normal positions because we're just not designed to sit. But then it's like I think there's this, I don't know, thought where people are like, oh, you've got an active life, like lucky you. And I'm like, no, it's not good nor bad. No, just, yeah. It's, Exactly right. Because the body adapts and you're so right. So when it comes to a fat loss phase, I probably wouldn't focus on this unless it's for your mental health, as I said, to get out of the house um, or to distract yourself until your next meal, to be honest. It's not really going to be doing much in terms of losing weight because your body adapts to such a low intensity. Um, And it's also not taxing on your joints. So if you're having a rest day, then you can probably get away with doing this. There's nothing Mm -hmm. worse than assigning someone a rest day and then they've gone and just done something really crazy and, you know, a lot of energy expenditure. Um, This is very low impact on the joints and it's it's a nice way to move while still kind of having a rest day. Absolutely right. A lot of people have this thought where, oh, like stress is stress and we've spoken about this Mm. a lot. And you can't replace bad stress with good stress and just expect the stress to level out. Like it doesn't really work like that. Stress is still stress. Going for a run, it's still stress, right? Like Mm. trying to hit a step target, like focusing on targets, it's still a stressor. Like you're still trying to work towards things. So really well said. Um, I guess in terms of the cons um, with steady state, like one of them that we just spoke about is you are highly adaptable to it. It's not necessarily a con, but it depends on why you're using it, right? Like it depends on what what you're hoping to get out of the steady state. Um, The other thing is like it's very, time consuming so that's another Mm. thing with step count you've got to weigh up whether it's worth the time because you're not going to be making much of a dint in terms of your uh, calorie expenditure by adding a couple of thousand steps you're really not the same with even a half an hour low intensity workout a couple of hundred right you're better off just cutting that out of the nutritional um, intake for the day so it is very time consuming and that Mm. is a big factor right in terms of like balance sustainability lifestyle and also maintaining fat loss as a result because cool you can lose all the fat but how how long do you think you're gonna be able to do twenty thousand steps a day for if it's unnatural mm. to you you know mm. not very long and the other thing is my god steady state so boring for me this is why yeah. multitasking is a pro <laughs> because i'm like if i can't do something else at the same time whether that's listening to a podcast or whatever um then yeah i just get so bored and i lose interest right and that's really oh, yeah. important so we need motivation to keep going i couldn't think of anything worse than being prescribed like 60 minutes of lists or being prescribed an amount because yeah i i just couldn't do it so i set myself I, I count my morning walks as list, even though it could be neat. No, well, I'm deliberately going and walking. Like I don't yes. have to walk out. So I make sure I go for a walk and the reward is a coffee halfway. Yeah. And then mm, I get to do that yeah. or like, but as you were mentioning earlier, if I feel a little bit pressed for time, I don't really go and do it because it defeats the whole purpose of having a nice leisurely oh, walk because yeah. I'll be stressed the whole time. And then because I'm stressed, my cortisol's up. I know my arms are swinging there. Turns into hit. Yeah, <laughs> I, it turns into hit. And, and then I'm probably more hungry because I'm more stressed. So it just yeah. defeats the whole purpose anyway. There's no point trying to plan a leisurely 
list session under stress like just don't do it in the first place absolutely like I'll be honest I haven't left the house yet and it's 10 30 because I've just had two back-to-back meetings and then the podcast so I'm exactly the same like if I don't have time it's it's about recognizing one this isn't as important as you think um (laughs) like if you miss it like every now and then it's okay the steady state stuff like don't stress don't stress that's the point right it's supposed to be it's supposed to be good for you in terms of like stress management not stress causing um and the other thing is like I got, obviously I got a new Apple Watch and like when I was she out for a walk them. it popped up it's like do you want to track this as your workout and I'm like is this is it not working out right now <laughs> <There you laughs> go. I, like, I guess when you are intentionally going for a walk or doing those sorts of things it does fall into that steady state so it's mm. just about being clear on yourself but we can probably move into um the next type of cardio which is personally my favorite type of cardio and something that really doesn't get enough airtime. i feel like yep. moderate intensity cardio used to get slammed right it's like a waste of time it's not productive but mm. that's actually the um form of cardio that i would do the most um during like a prep it's actually yep. the most that i prescribe to clients um for multiple different reasons that we'll talk about um and yeah i just feel like it definitely deserves its own little segment today Oh, yeah. I love moderate as well. Um, You feel like you get more bang for your buck without pushing it to that top level of exhaustion. It's it's that beautiful middle ground. So going back to our numbers, it's around 60 to 80 percent of your maximum heart rate there. So a little bit higher than your list, um, but not as high as your hit. And yeah, sports, you don't have to always be like sitting on a um, piece of cardio equipment. Okay. Mm. You can like those classes, body attack or body combat, those, those awesome classes or, you know, um, playing a sport, these tap into more of your moderate intensity or a brisk power walk. Mm. So another good measure aside from the percentages is how puffed out you get. So with the list, you can probably still hold a conversation or give a speech or, you know, talk on a podcast. Moderate, you start to get a little bit more puffed out. That's how Mm. I like to measure it anyway. Yeah, you can't. Uh, hold like a sentence per se you sort of have to stop and take a breath every now and then um but the other thing uh to consider is what you mentioned there like it's sport it's daily activity it's skipping it's like going for a bike ride it's rollerblading it's all those sorts of activities that you can actually bleed into your lifestyle and it should be an integral part because um like the guidelines or the recommendations for moderate intensity cardio are actually 150 minutes a week and it sounds like a lot but if you play like a game of netball or if you go for a bike ride or if you're going for brisk walks and things like that you'd be very surprised um Mm. for us you know gym goers um that you're probably hitting this heart rate zone the other thing which like surprises me um is like with my apple watch it's obviously got the heart rate you love this watch it's got the heart rate um it's got like an ecg bled into it it's crazy the heart rate data it tracks during my squat session heart rate 160 freaking insane right so Mm. I I know that that's resistance training as well um but you you still reach those thresholds for heart rate in other forms of activity as well oh yeah absolutely your heart rate definitely increases during your training as well and blood pressure Mm. um but it also depends on like your blood pressure raises a lot if you're doing like one rep maxes or on the lower end because of that bracing and and all that so it's a little bit different whereas if you're doing sort of higher reps then you can tap into um the side of training that sort of replicates cardio just a little bit as well so more constant output is required from the heart during your longest set 
sets. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's definitely important. Um, but I do love moderate intensity. I think this is the one that I've been neglecting over the past two years over lockdown. I haven't yeah, personally, I haven't really been, you've been pretty good with your skipping and rollerblading and all that stuff. Um, yeah. only because I feel like I have to, because yeah. of the lifestyle change, to be honest, like not so much because I have to for health, but just energy. Like I need to like find other ways to expend energy. So yep. yeah, like I've been doing, like I've got a treadmill and I've like been doing the odd little like running session every now and then, Ooh. like just a minute on and off <laughs> sort of stuff, stuff, um, tracking my heart rate, doing those sorts of yeah. things. I get really interested by data, skipping, like I love skipping. Um, like it feels like fun to me. It's yep. not a chore. And that's the thing. That's what I really like moderate intensity cardio for when it comes to using that style of cardio for a, a, like an, a, an outcome like dropping weight etc burning calories those sorts of things which I don't like using it for but sometimes you have to during mm. like dieting phases especially mm. when you've got a sedentary lifestyle mm. um, I do get more specific with it so I'll scale it for example it might be you know 90 minutes a week for example and then it might be yep. 180 minutes and then that has to be monitored more so and sometimes there's parts of me that get really frustrated by that because it's mm. like oh I just want to skip and roll away do I count it you know so it's about it's about like using it as a tool um when you need to but then also using it for enjoyment and recognizing that the cardio that you do it can't always feel so regimented if you want to yep. sustain it for your life that's actually a really good point because before I started doing my comp preps, I would do a lot of boxing. I'd play around with kettlebells and swing them around. I would play tennis every week competitively, but I kind of put that all away because you can't measure a tennis match. You can't measure random boxing. You can't yeah. really measure playing around with kettlebells, which kind of sounds a bit sad, but we, mm. I had to do it and, and you had to do it as well because you can't just keep adding in variables and yeah. random factors if mm. your goal is to get on stage and measure if you're spending the time measuring your nutrition you need to measure your cardio as well yeah. um but when you're not prepping like you don't yeah you don't have to be as rigid with those things and i think mm. it's very important just to have fun and to have a bit of flexibility as well um to really get the most out of it so it just depends on what your end result is do you yeah. want to have fun and keep moving and just you know be social or do you want to get on stage or do you have a body composition goal? Yeah. Um, you also need to take into account recovery. So if you feel really exhausted at the end of one week, if you've measured all of the cardio that you've done, you can say, okay, maybe I'll pull back a little bit. But if you haven't measured it and you feel exhausted, you don't know where to pull back. Yeah. On. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That's the main thing. Like you track to know what to change. Um, yes. And, you know, like if I have a client who is just like, going through a fat loss phase and they play sport on the weekend. Like there's no way I'd ever tell them to stop doing it. So now it's going to be favorable mm. to the actual outcome. Um, it's going to allow them to enjoy um, the process as a whole. And, you know, we've spoken about the cardiovascular benefits too. Like I wouldn't say, okay, stop playing tennis. I want you to do 60 minutes of a tr inclined treadmill walk. That's depressing, right? <laughs> because once you lose the body fat, uh, the goal of comp prep is not to sustain the end physique, but when it comes to just general fat loss for most people, the goal is to sustain the physique. So you also want your lifestyle behaviors and habits to be sustainable in a sense, not the nutritional stuff, because we know that dieting um, the, the calories that you end up on, they're not supposed to be sustainable, but the energy output side is because we want to use that to our advantage when you exit a diet to be able to increase that subconsciously too. So mm -hmm. yeah, there's multiple, there's multiple, I guess, ways that you can look at moderate intensity, but 
one of the things that you mentioned earlier was just the recovery standpoint. Yeah. So obviously like steady state, like cardio, it's, it's barely any taxing. It's not taxing on the system at all. Uh, moderate intensity is a little more taxing, but it's still very low impact depending on how you choose to do it. So yes. low impact on the joints, um, which is something that we have to look after, right? Because risk of injury um, obviously goes up with intensity in a lot of things as well. So cardio being one of them, you have to weigh up pros to cons with your form of cardio if it's not the main thing. You know, if your main thing is lifting weights and building muscle, you need to keep the main thing the main thing. Everything yeah. else needs to complement that. So your mm. mode of car, I would never just consistently run in a prep because I know no the way. impact on my joints is not worth the risk of influencing or negatively impacting my leg sessions, right? But 100%. don't get me wrong. If I was a marathon runner and I was training for a marathon, of course, like that's mm. going to be the thing. So it's about recognizing, keep the main thing, the main thing, whether that's your chosen sport or lifting in the gym or powerlifting, I don't care. Keep the main thing, the main thing, cardio and other variables. They're the one percenters that should make your target goal easier to achieve. Yeah, not harder. That's right. And that's why I had to make the decision to stop tennis and swap mm. it for the cross trainer, not because of any other reason, aside from the fact my knees, ankles and shoulder yeah. copped more impact playing that sport. So then my next squat session was agony because I had already put those joints through a lot of work. Um, mm. So it's something more, even going, having nights out, I would, you know, I ended up stopping having nights out close to being on stage. But like mm -hmm. when you're in heels all night, dropping it low on the dance floor, <laughs> moderate, that's moderate intensity. Sometimes it can be hit. Um, that also affects your training session too. Yeah. So you really have to um, consider all of those factors. At the end of the day, if your goal is to get on stage or, you know, reach your end goal with the least amount of injury, possible then you need to consider all of those things in your life that might impact your recovery and joints and health as well yeah and that's one of the main benefits of the actual moderate intensity that your heart rate will get to right it's not hugely taxing for the activity that you are trying to do so it's very mm. sustainable you can you know during a prep you can do cardio every day you know, and it's usually not going to influence your um, recoverability if you're choosing the right mode of um, building that intensity up. What would you choose normally? I um I don't I, I like an incline walk on a treadmill or a bike. To be yep. honest, um hate the stairmaster. Just can't oh, do it. I would hard, much man. I would much rather though to be honest go to a stadium and run upstairs. I just I wow. can't get around. I actually like cardio outdoors, and that's one of the main benefits of moderate intensity. You can take it outdoors. The same with mm. steady state. But mm. if I had a choice, I wouldn't do any cardio indoors. I don't love it. I I, no. I actually dislike it. For me, I much prefer getting outdoors, taking a skipping rope, like climbing up some stairs, going on a hike, like those sorts of things. Um, where I can use it as almost a form of mindfulness as well, um, and yes. not just feel like I'm spending my entire life in the gym. I also love being able to do it with Luke too. Like yeah. he's very much an outdoors person, and I just feel like two birds, one stone. We can go for a brisk walk together. Yeah, um, we used to run a lot together, so. Mm. Yeah, I like to find ways that I can include cardio into my lifestyle rather than dedicating a whole nother training session to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how people do it at home. I mean, I bought a cross trainer um, for the office here during when I was going to prep for a show before yeah. the second lockdown. I used it like twice. Now it's in storage downstairs. I'm like, get rid of that. That yeah. is 
traumatizing for me just to be yeah. in a small room doing this cardio. I'm like, yeah. no way. There's so many better ways. I mean, mm. I love, I love the cross trainer. I find after a while, my butt hurts sitting on the bike. Like yeah. even though it's easy, but I'm like, I don't really enjoy it. But one where you don't feel like it's punishment. So you can be yes. a bit distracted about, you know, with everyone else in the gym, or I used to invite a friend to do cardio with me. If it was raining oh. outside, you go on the machine, mm-hmm. you know, you need to stay a bit distracted. Um, yeah. Listen to your, to your podcast or your music or something like that. I'm very much the same. Um, even like a nice stair climb, um, like the thousand steps in Victoria, mm. like mm. out in nature and there's beautiful yeah, hikes everywhere. Doesn't feel like so cardio much. at all. No. And yeah. you just forget what you're doing. You're just there yeah. to have a good time. So yeah. find a way that suits you the best. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I've got a treadmill um, and even when I use it, I open up the garage, good. you know, I, like I f- almost feel like I'm outdoors. Sometimes yeah. we'll just come in and have his morning coffee with me and I'll just See? like, you know, it's, it's about making. Why isn't sure- he doing steps? Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Not up for exactly. you. He's I'll got the good gig. And, yeah. I'll just sit here with the dog and watch you. Um, yes. But yeah, like it's got to be, it's got to be flexible in, into yeah. your lifestyle as well. You know, definitely. Um, the only other cons, I guess, and it's funny because with like when I was writing down these cons I was like there's not many for cardio mm, just don't mm. kill yourself with it more so yeah. if you overdo it of course um but the only cons that I come up with moderate intensity is just yes one it's time consuming as well not as much as steady state um but it is still another thing that you've got to add to the list and for a lot of mm. our listeners you know training four to five to six days a week you're already spending a lot of time um in the gym so if you can find things like bike riding like hikes on the weekend or you know playful activities surfing whatever you do um, it's only going to be beneficial for the sustainability um, for a lifestyle the mm. other thing with moderate intensity is just sweating right so, like I, I have to have two showers a day when I'm doing cardio and training because I just yeah. get like sweaty and then I get pimples on my back and that's mm. not fun either so stuff. yeah the only other negative is sweating but then you could also claim <laughs> that as a, as a positive thing too because you're getting out toxins so yeah just rehydrate try living up in Sydney the humidity is oh. cooked but that's not I don't know how all you guys in North Queensland do it honestly you Something- might you adapt to it though no, oh, I hope so. I'm still waiting. I would just walk outside and I'll start sweating. Like, well, everyone, I may as well do cardio now. Yeah, everyone in Kansas is like, you're not. You know, everyone really- in Kansas is like, shut up, Danny. Yeah. You've got it easy in Sydney. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. Um, when I was doing my last prep, um, I started including saunas. So mm. I was working with Ben, um, Ben Kant, and um, he started prescribing saunas for me. And I'd wear my heart rate monitor. My heart rate would get up to like 130, 140 uh, in the sauna, the same intensity as what moderate intensity cardio generates because cardio, moving your body generates heat. Yeah. Right? And that that's essentially what it is. You're not burning calories, but you are rising your poor body temperature. And that was just really interesting for me to think about it like that and to frame it as, okay, it's actually the heat that my body's generating, how hard my heart is working to climatize. But the other thing I wanted to mention is I adapted really quickly to saunas. So my heart rate initially would go up a lot. Um, and then after a couple of weeks, you know, my, my heart rate wouldn't stay as elevated. So yeah, it's, I guess the goal of these sorts of conversations is just to reframe how we think about cardio. You know, you're not there just to expend energy, to burn energy. There's physiological changes and processes that are happening in the body that do have long-term health effects, um, in a positive way. 
Yeah, well, or negative, to be honest. And I'm kind of like smacking myself at how how much we've used the word having a heart attack, which is probably not the right episode to use that phrase because Mm. you always have to actually keep an eye on your health just in case because you don't want to just rush into doing a whole bunch of really high impact cardio because it can actually be quite dangerous. You know, you can have some bad luck and, and something might happen to you. So always make sure just to make health the number one priority, get regular checks as well. Listen to your body. Yeah. Sometimes things can come on um, unexpected. And maybe I watched that episode of Sex in the City and sorry, a spoiler for everyone who watched it. But I watched it. No, oh, well, there you go. Yeah, something, something happens to one of the characters that involves riding a bike and having a heart attack. Mm. Um, shares in that brand of bike went down, by the way. Everyone freaked out. Yeah. Wow. So they had to get it was um it's Mr. Big. And if you haven't yeah. watched it, then you know you're too oh, far behind anyway. Mr. Big. Yeah, he, <laughs> oh, he like dies in like the first or second episode from having a heart attack riding a bike. So Wait, then not in real life, just in no, the not in real life, just yeah, in okay. the show. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, shares in that exercise bike obviously went down because everyone was like, fuck, I don't want that to happen to me. So then mm. they had to get him on a commercial again saying I love using this bike like it was oh oh, it was the weirdest thing but then um, yeah so more or less just be mindful still and if you've got underlying health conditions and risk factors always take that into consideration Mm. first I do want to say that and I do feel bad for using the phrase to have a heart attack yeah absolutely though and it goes both ways to be honest Mm. you know not probably not our population um listening to this but you know when we are very unfit um and you know we we do pose ourselves at a higher risk of having cardiac issues in long term you know it's i think it's the leading cause of death in the world is cardiovascular um heart attacks uh and infarct and af and all those sorts of things as well so definitely something to be mindful of and like even in um for example like with running they teach you never to increase your distance by more than 10 percent a week um but how often do you see people just be like oh, i'm just going to throw in a 30 minute run yep that is a big no-no um yeah. for sports as for for running sports they teach you about 10 20 percent maximum um to increase your your distance running for joint perspective and overall health so mm, yeah mm. we shouldn't just be throwing in i'm just going to start doing some hits all of a sudden and just start yeah. doing all this the only thing would be steady state which you can get away with because it's just normal activity but yeah, the devil's always in the dose and it's just about climatizing and adjusting your body appropriately, right? Never yeah. go from zero to 100. It's always a recipe for disaster. Even saunas, once my friend Alyssa and I, we were regular sauna goers and I still love the sauna, yes. but one day we did a really big leg session filled with a lot of pre-workout, so we're already very dehydrated. Yeah. We had a sauna after and then accidentally put the dial on like the hottest mm. and then and we stayed in for too long because we were just talking and laughing and taking selfies in there. We got out and we both nearly passed out. I had to spend the rest of the night in bed. Like mum had to come home early from work. This is still when I lived at home wow. and like literally, nearly just cooked myself in the sauna so yeah. I'm yeah I've done so much like that you just get so excited yes. and you think that nothing will ever happen to you but your body's uh, smart and it wants to survive so it will do things like that to you so we've got to yeah. take it very seriously yeah really good point though because I think it's important to highlight like I would always recommend splitting your sessions if you're doing cardio and resistance training or any other mm. form of stress like saunas cold therapy all these sorts of things should technically be separated um, from your 
training in general, there is research to show, for example, that cold therapy therapy actually blunts um, the hypertrophy mTOR response in the body. Um, a lot of people did ice baths and stuff after their session, and they've sort of said that, no, we actually want the inflammation process to occur. Um, so separate yeah. it. And I just sort of think the same with cardio. Like sometimes it's just it's practical to do it afterwards. And sure, if you do want a bit of a walk, like go for it. That's fine. But if you've got a hit session or something like that or a gym class, you know, try and keep it separate. Treat it as a, another training session. Like, and that's the way we should be looking at cardio. It is just as equally as stressful on the body when you're pushing it um, as, so you know, lifting weights. So, yeah, often we just sprinkle it in and go, oh, it's just cardio. But stress mm. is stress. And, again, you can't just replace bad stress with good stress and think that your nervous system is going to balance out. <laughs> that reminds me of when we were younger and we all used to drink vodka and Red Bulls. It's like you shouldn't oh. do that because the Red Bull gives you the well, energy. What and was, then what we was would the, be what? What was the thing that got banned? Bang, no, what was not? Oh, bang. there was um, a certain drink, not UDLs. No, no, no. It was an energy. It was an I oh, used to drink them actually. Oh, so, oh, so it nearly come to me. It'll then. come to us. Someone it was like a caffeinated us. alcoholic drink. And See? someone had a heart attack. We used to be like, yeah, that yeah, they must have had so many, but hopefully they did because well, yeah. We used to think that they would cancel out. We'd be like, yeah, we'd have the Red Bull for energy. Then the alcohol and that would balance. No. And that's like your cardio and training. Oh, it starts with E. It starts with E or Elevate. Elevate. Yeah, <laughs> Elevate went off the market. Elevate, yeah. You used to smash like 10 of them. There was like 300 milligrams of caffeine per can, right? That's so bad. So dangerous when you look at it, right? Like again, yeah. caffeine's a drug. A lot of these things, for example, when we're talking about it, a lot of these things are just brushed off. It's like, oh, I'll just have my pre-workout. I'll just have this. I'll just have that. It all adds up. It all adds up. And, you know, it puts stress and strain on the heart. And, you know, we need to take them seriously from a health perspective. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when you're young and naive, you never think of that stuff. No, but I suppose we're getting older and we know more about healthcare. And, yeah. you know, I think everyone's attention has been on not only health externally, but their own health, obviously, mm. the past few years. So it's important that we do talk about these um, issues as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And the last one that is very trendy at the moment, and it has been probably for the last five to 10 years, is high intensity interval training. I've definitely um, drank the Kool-Aid with that one and been, <laughs> you know, quite a hit bunny. Um, it yeah. feels great, right, to get your heart rate up and to really work really hard in the gym. But by definition, high intensity interval training uh, is a training protocol um, alternating short periods of intense or explosive um, anaerobic exercise with brief recovery periods until the point of exhaustion. Sounds extreme. Mm. Uh, and it relies <laughs> on, yeah, the anaerobic energy system and usually maximum heart rate from about 80 to a hundred percent, um, in intervals, right? Yeah. So I, I really wanted to make sure that we had those percentages in there because there's a lot of, um, like trendy classes and stuff that do use, hit as the thing but a lot of the time people think they're doing hit but they're not like if you wore your heart rate monitor and you did the calculation that we did above say you're 20 years old and your maximum heart rate's 200 are you really pushing like 190 beats mm -hmm. per minute plus in those hit classes and if you are that's it if mm. you're not it's moderate intensity so it's important to be able to understand because hit is very very highly taxing on your body in lots of different ways yeah 
think about the activities that you do for hit like um tabatas plyometrics all these sorts of explosive things high risk of injury um but then also very taxing on the joints and your nervous system and super super taxing on your recoverability Um, oh yeah come from somewhere so that's Mm. one of the big reasons why i don't use hit at all genuinely in a prep phase, maybe towards the start of a prep, um, I would use HIT. And this is like everyone does it differently. Some people use it right up till show day. That's totally fine. But in my perspective, if I had a perfect prep, I would um, potentially, if they needed it, use HIT at the start. Um, when you've got a bit more body fat, you know, your joints are a bit more protected. You've got the energy. Your recovery is great usually at the start. Mm. And then taper off the, um, the stress levels and maybe move to something like moderate intensity. Yeah, really well said. And I'm similar. Like my body responds so well to HIIT training just because like it's so different yeah. um, and you just tap into that other energy source as well and and all of that. I found when I was prepping, um, I don't do it now, obviously, because, you know, I don't really need to. But when I was prepping, being on the bike is the safest, one of the yeah. safest ways just to get Stand your legs bike. going and you can't fall off. Oh, yeah, those things are crazy. I always, motive, motive kit is fan bike for me. I need yeah. upper body, to be honest, to be able to okay. get my heart rate up that high. I just can't mm. on a stationary bike. Yeah. Um, any, well, yeah, the rogue bikes or the fan bike that you call it, um, I also used to do a lot of battle ropes. That was fun. Like I loved that. I yeah. would, t- I would, cause had he prepped me, I would ask um, if I could include just random activities like med ball slams, yeah. battle ropes, um, all of that kind of stuff. Again, just to keep entertained, but then yeah, spending time on a bike and I wouldn't need that many intervals, maybe only sometimes five 10 second sprints or something like Mm. a minute off and then 10 seconds on and all of that. I would never do it right up until show day again, because if, if you need it, then you're probably not ready for stage. Do it earlier when you have extra body fat, extra energy, and maybe sort of midway through, but you, yeah, you probably don't want to be doing it right at the end. No, no, not in my, yeah, not in my opinion. You do see Mm. a lot of people, like you said, it is, it is um, highly taxing on the body, but you can either go one way or the other, right? Like you don't yeah. just want to add more stress for the sake of it and get yourself yeah. in an overtrained, depleted, like strained, unmotivated state because, mm. yeah, like you have to be sort of motivated initially to do hit. No one really wants to show up when they don't want to do it. And the back end of a prep or a dieting phase is frigging hard enough. So mm-hmm. I sort of look at hit as like a one percenter for um, like improving your your energy system uptake, mitochondria in a cell, like different levels of fitness and intensity. Um, the other thing that is like a pro from high intensity interval training that they have shown, it's probably not the motive that I would do, but it does show to actually build muscle, um, doing sorts of high intensity, like battle ropes, those sorts of things. Yeah, it's great. Doing can have a muscle building effect. And it is obviously that anaerobic energy system, which is the same as resistance training. So it's a different Mm. energy system in itself. Um, And I would almost argue like you can either have resistance training and moderate intensity cardio, and that be like your nice little cocktail. Um, Or you could literally be someone that just loves you know a couple of days of hit a week and yeah that's your fitness that's your training i wouldn't add like heaps of hit and your resistance training that are both highly taxing and have that that's yeah yeah that's crossfit well i was thinking about that but the only point of difference with hit is the tabata training so i'm Mm. not sure whether i've never done crossfit so i'm not sure whether they have tabata style training in it no, I don't think so. It's more yeah. counting reps and, and for time. Yeah, yeah. So a little mm. bit different. Um, 
but yeah, it, it is very taxing on the body. Um, and that's why it's important to have good technique when you are doing those things. Like if I didn't know how to squat properly, I wouldn't be doing med ball slams to pick up the ball. You know, mm. you see some people do it with a rounded back and yeah. a lot of my clients who play sport like netball and all of that, obviously since hit is sport specific, we want to incorporate that in, but they've come to me with back pain. They play netball. Yeah. They need to learn how to do the movement slow first with good technique yeah. before we add in plyometrics. I agree. Yep. Because when there's tempo, when there's, you know, you're concentrating on where the ball is or there's time, mm. you're not really going to think about your technique and you fall so to true. the default technique. Um, so, yeah, it's really important to learn movement slow first with good technique and then we make it sport specific, add in the speed, add in the explosive nature as well. Yeah, really well said. It is that higher risk of injury. So it's that thing that you've got to weigh up. Um, obviously, technique has to be like important number one thing that you focus on first. And we know that as soon as we increase intensity, um, our technique is usually uh, the first thing to go. We'll always, um, I guess, fall out in the areas that are a limitation for us. You can only imagine that, you know, if you've got issues with your knees and you go out and sprint, like that it's not going to be great. Right. And yeah. it usually happens because um, again, if you think about the main thing, is it your main thing? And that's what you've really got to consider. Yeah. Like if this is supposed to be a one percenter and it's going to wreck your training sessions for the week, you don't need to do it. And yeah. I think that's the concept of understanding. It's a tool, um, not a rule. And you need to be able to sprinkle it in as needed. That's the way I see here. It's a sprinkle from time to time rather than something that you try and sustain forever. The yeah. only thing that I can relate to with this is um, maybe, oh, I don't know, twice a year I'll do like a conditioning block um, with training for a different purpose. Like it is friggin' high intensity if I tracked my heart rate, um, but it's more for um, like fitness level in terms of like increasing fitness level with resistance training and volume at the same time, um, increasing like the efficiency of like my muscles in terms of conditioning. Mm. So mitochondrial, like there's different reasons why I go through a conditioning block, not for like a circuit fat loss phase or anything like that. Okay. But I do that a couple of times a year. Um, and it's crazy to go through it. Cause at the start, for example, I usually vomit. I think I mentioned that to you. Yeah, my you did last session, time. Yeah. yeah. My first session, I nearly almost, almost vomit and oh, I feel so great. Nice. And then all of a sudden I'm like, nah, something's yeah. happened here. <laughs> and then um, I'll have a cheeky, cheeky vomit. Tactical vomit. Tactical vomit. And I'm like, nah, I'm all good. I'm back. <laughs> the first week, right? Like my body is like, yeah. holy shit, this is a brand new stimulus. Um, we need to adapt. And then the next week, like I'll notice my heart rate won't be like 190. It'll mm. be down a little bit more and I'll feel, I'll be doing the same weights, the same reps. I can get through the sets. Um, and I usually do a one-to-one -one ratio. So the time I'm on is the time I'm off. And that's the yep. way that most effective Tabatas are done. Like 30 on, 30 off, 60 on, 60 off, 20 reps on the same duration of time off. So there is strategy behind here. And I think it's important to know that you don't just go in and just sort of like gas yourself. It should be for no. a purpose. Yeah. Um, Keep it measurable as well, right? Measurable. And mm. the goal isn't just to go in and be exhausted. Like I know that's in the definition, but <laughs> it's, it's not the goal in my opinion. That's not how we train smarter. No, because then tomorrow you'll be like, oh, I can't be bothered training because of yeah. yesterday's session. Yeah. But I find if you're starting as well, one-to-one -one works, but then even if you just do 10 seconds on, because mm. one, if you do any longer than 
like let's just say 10 to 20 seconds you do naturally start to slow down anyway so Mm. you're not at that high end level of just going for it so you can even do give yourself longer rest periods when you're starting off with the goal to have one-to-one at the end if you want Mm. um yeah but just give yourself longer rest periods when you're starting and then shorten that as you know as the weeks go on but keep it measurable and be kind to yourself because it is hard yeah there's a reason why a lot of people put it off 100 there's only one issue that i have with that like really short periods is i find it takes me at least 10 seconds for my heart rate to get up to the 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 range like it's not going to go from resting to 80 percent it usually takes like, yeah, sort of 10 to 15 seconds. But then that's probably my own like perfectionism coming in bed. Like <laughs> I only count the hit 30 seconds on from when I'm in the in the zone. So yeah. Whatever works. Whatever works. And don't go in there trying, like it's not supposed to be bang on um, 100% measurable each time and always steer on the conservative side. Like when you do hit, for example, like Danny, like my conditioning sessions might last 30 minutes mm. maximum. Um, but then I'm transitioning between equipment. I've got that time. I mean, I'm sure when you're doing your hit on the um, the bike, you're probably doing like five, six, seven intervals, right? Literally, yeah. It's yeah. so quick, like 10 yeah. minutes or 12 minutes. Like yeah. there's no rules. There's yeah. just about measuring your session and then trying to make it harder the next time because your body mm. will adapt Yeah, um, and just have fun. There's no point being so regimented with it that you, you end up just staying on the couch because it's too stressful. So yeah. <laughs> make it fun. At the end of the day, any session is better than no session. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Paralysis by analysis sometimes, but that's right. Yeah. I guess today we just really wanted to break down some of the different types of cardio and explain um, like, you know, what they are, what they're used for, the pros, the cons, and then our own experience with them. Because I feel mm. like even today, Danny, we've obviously highlighted that we've tried all three yeah. um, and, you know, there's lots of ways to skin a cat. As I always say, <laughs> you don't have to pick one. Mm. Um, the point is like when you do anything in the gym, my biggest thing is like, have a reason, you know, like yes. don't just go into the gym and just, throw some battle ropes down for the sake of it, like to feel tired. That's not the goal. But a lot of people like to go into the gym to feel tired and exhausted. And we need to really detach from that feeling as being the result of a successful workout. It's it's not. The goal is actually to avoid that to a sense. Yeah, Yeah, we want to impose stress, but just the right amount of stress that our body can then adapt Um, and go through that super compensation and be able to come back stronger. If we're constantly feeling exhausted, we know that there's too much stimuli coming back in. It's too much for our bodies. And sometimes that's hard for us. We're like, I can do it all. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're only human, right? And we need to gradually, progressively overload cardio the same way that we do with weights in the gym. Oh yeah. There's no point in putting so much effort um, in your weights in the gym with the goal to change your body composition. Then all of a sudden you just throw so much cardio and at the end, just to feel puffed out. Mm-hmm. And we've had this a lot with clients as well, who are, are attached to, to that feeling, but they come to us because they've hit a plateau, but they never think that it's because they're doing too much. They always think I need to do more, but something different. Well, mm-hmm. no, you actually need to do less. So yeah, as Sherelle said, try not to get attached to that sweaty, puffed out feeling because that's probably the reason why your body's not changing, to be honest. 
Absolutely. There's a difference between active recovery and just going for a run because you feel like it, right? Mm. Like if you if it's a rest day, like rest, go for a walk, do your steady state. If moderate intensity is something that you've spoken to your coach about and that's okay as well, for sure, do it too, play your sport, whatever it might be. Mm. But don't impose good stress and think it's going to outweigh the bad stress because yep. majority of the time it just doesn't. It just increases your recoverability um, that you need um, to be able to get back into the gym the following day. That's it. All right. Very good. Awesome. Well, if you did enjoy this episode, as always, please do take a screenshot um, and tag the Level Up podcast on Instagram. Thanks, everyone.